This is the Hard Mark Podcast, starring Eric Donaldson and Ryan Murphy. Hey, folks! (laughs) (laughs) It's that time. It's the Hard Mark Podcast, episode 9. I am your host, Eric Donaldson. With me, as always, is the talent. The Mater D of Matt Drama. Ryan Murphy, how the fuck are you doing, Ryan Murphy? Pretty good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> See, there we go. The energy's already yeah, up. Yeah. When you yell at people, uh-huh. the energy has to be up. Did you tell by the first statement? Yeah. That the energy was mm-hmm. good? Yes, I could tell. I just had... I could see it in your eyes. That twinkle uh-huh. that, you know, maybe some episodes <laughs> you don't have, I can tell you got it. And it's a good time to be all jazzed and amped up. Yeah. We're going to be talking about, woo, the nature boy. So, yeah, so that'll happen. Um, (laughs) (coughs) Too much energy. Too much energy. I got that cough energy going on. Um, Before we we go into the main uh, thing, main topic of today, I wanted to just thank everybody, the audience, for listening, downloading, streaming, liking, subscribing, telling their immediate family, aunt, uncle, cousin, nephew, niece, grandmother, grandfather, sister, brother, whoever it may be. Thank you for telling them all about it. Uh, I I hope that we delight your auditory senses with this yet another fine episode of the Hardmark Podcast. You can find us on all social media channels, very active on social media uh, is one Ryan Murphy. So you can find us all right. LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, YouTubes, YouTube. uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat. We're not on some of those things, but we are on others. So just, uh, you know, look for us. And maybe, maybe when you're not looking, we might even follow you. Yeah. Uh, that's not uh, weird to say, right? I don't think. That was good. Um, before we got started with our recording here today, uh, we have a lot of things to talk about, but. Uh, Before we get too far into this, I showed you a video of someone kind of doing some very early wrestling training. And and is that kind of what you expected as far as what somebody would be doing as a a kind of student of professional wrestling? No? I didn't expect them to do any training (laughs) after what I've been watching the last nine episodes. What? Yeah, very little. What do you you mean, very little? do you think this is like an easy thing to do? <laughs> My impression was that they kind of picked up a local match, backyard type of wrestling match, got into it, and just kind of went from there. I Are you insinuating that Hulk Hogan uh, got started in someone's backyard? Just... Yes, everybody. Well, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe certain people took different channels. Shingo Takagi would have <laughs> never wrestled That's in true. Backyard. I mean, that Sir. Japanese wrestlers. <laughs> Sure, they might do some formal training. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the U.S., I I would have put my money on. They somehow worked their way in without any. Now I'm looking at like the list of people, and I'm trying to think. Like you're just like slagging off Taz, Bam Bam Bigelow, The Shield, The Y. Every single one of them, you're saying, "Oh yeah, he probably picked it up in a backyard or something." <laughs> it's it's in many cases it's like six months of training, <laughs> it, minimum. Why is that so it's funny? Just it's really. So, why is that so funny? I ch- I... Because it doesn't look... Just say it. Because it doesn't look difficult to you. You see it, and it looks so easy that anyone could do it. 
It's a tough question. Because <laughs> like it, it does not it's look. It's a high it energy does, episode. It does not look like anybody. It looks painful. Uh huh. It just looks like they're kind of like they're kind of crazy. Like they're just in general, these people like aren't maybe all there all the time. Sure. Okay, I'll, I'll agree. It does with you. not look like they have gone to formal like where they had to come from the minor leagues and work their way up to the professional stage at all. But well, but I, I go ahead. it <laughs> continue. It does not look like something I would ever be able to jump in and do. Sure. So I think <clears throat> from a physicality standpoint, you could probably like do it and it would be okay. You, you take the falls, you take the chops, you do all that type of stuff. For me, the part that's always seemed kind of daunting has been the idea of not making it look awkward as you're transitioning from one thing to the next. Like, you're trying to make it appear to be a simulated fight between these two people. And if you just put me in the ring, let's say you put the two of us in a ring somewhere. Like, what is the the realistic chance that what we cobbled together between the two of us would actually Probably look not good. somewhat cohesive? So that, that but is, we didn't grow up backyard wrestling. <laughs> At least I didn't. Nobody's perfect. I did do a fair amount of backyard wrestling. Did you really? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, not really. This is something we might have to... So, I'm sure you played, like, backyard football and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Very frequently among my, my friends in my neighborhood, the backyard football would sort of devolve into backyard wrestling. Okay. And so we would uh, do yeah. wrestling moves to one another. Yeah after tackling each other and stuff like that. Nice. So, especially in, like, the height of the Attitude Era, where, uh, you know, Ric Flair was doing his thing, Stone Cold, The Rock, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really kind of what the, the what stoked our fire, so nice. to speak, in terms of our backyard okay. shooting. That makes sense. But okay. we didn't, we didn't build didn't a ring. ring. No, we yeah. didn't build a ring. We didn't have title matches or anything But those, like those are around. Like, people, like, people host little, small matches. I mean, yeah, little, yeah. you know... It's happened. I, I wouldn't. There have been wrestlers who have actually, like, literally gotten their start doing that. That has happened. See, that's not the majority of, of them. But the majority of them go through a wrestling school, much like what we saw in the video. Which, for anyone curious to check it out, it's Chris Van Vliet. He's a, a pretty, pretty noteworthy wrestling uh, interviewer. He, wrest- he interviews wrestlers from all over. Uh, and he trained to be a wrestler in the early 2000s. And it di- didn't pan out, but he was kind of running through some of the drills and running the ropes, taking bumps, etc., etc., etc. I would assume they take more, like, acting classes than actual wrestling classes. You say you assume that they do? That's what I would have assumed. Oh, uh, okay. Like, no, more I mean... Theatric. There's just the drama that goes into it. I think a lot of it... Early on, is you're trying to get your body used to the idea of falling repeatedly, because it's a it's initially a very jarring sort of sensation, and you have to get acclimated to falling over and. I mean, if you were to count the number of times that you're falling in one match, in a lot of cases, I mean, it's going to be twenty or thirty times. I think that's 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 fair, mm-hmm. but I think that like. And while yet yeah, like there's training in other sports, and there's kind of a progression to get where you want to go. Yeah. I think there's more physical sports than wrestling. Uh, like, maybe yes. like as far as impact, just raw and maybe not hitting your back, but like raw impact. Sure. So I don't, I still don't understand why this is so hard to fall on your back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
with a lot, I mean, the most physical sport that I can think of would be, you know, like football or rugby or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, that would be difficult, but you're also, you're sort of, in that situation, you are attempting to break your own fall. Like you put an arm down or you're kind of, you know, tuck your chin. You'll, you'll, yeah, do, you'll do things uh, to yeah. protect yourself when you're coming down or you just fall on top of another person. In this case, you are trying, you're simultaneously trying to keep yourself safe, but you're also trying to make it look visually good while doing it. So it's, it's a matter of finding that balance of making it look as devastating as possible while also not killing yourself in the process. So I think that's where it comes into play and just falling down on your back, throwing yourself backwards onto your back and also taking care to not, um, you know, have your head hit the, the, the mat behind you and give yourself a concussion. Like those are the things that you're sort of training in wrestling school. I'm not saying it's not an art. I, I, sure. I get it. It's, it is impressive. I'm yeah. just saying I would not have expected for people to actually, for there to be any sort of like schooling on this or maybe not any sort, but like definitely not a structured <laughs> six month course that you take or a lot of them aren't structured. A lot of it's like, okay, what's the last thing the we talked about? watched today. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the more structured ones I think I've seen. Yeah. But, uh, most of them are just kind of you drop in when you drop in. It's like, okay, what's the last thing that you learned how to do? Great, we're going to now build off of that. Now you're going to learn how to take a front flip or you're going to learn how to do you know, lockups or whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, but you did say that you would be interested in... I would do that, 100%. <laughs> just, just because I've said it so many times now yes. that I would absolutely move forward with the, the actual act of doing it. That's my, that's I, my quest. Okay. Yeah. Well, you go my goal in my life is to somehow facilitate you being able to, to well, take, just put it together. Eric. <laughs> if I need to purchase a ring and put it in my garage, <laughs> I bet you would. I yeah. would seriously consider it. I, I'll, I'll price what rings are. Take out a home equity loan. <laughs> your ring. Uh, that's a good idea. Maybe yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. So, anything else uh, of interest going on in the world of, of Ryan that you want to let our, our listeners in on? Just another, I was going to say Tuesday, but it's, it's Friday. It's Friday. It's not Tuesday. I mean, it it's not like Friday that they're listening to it, but it's Friday that we're recording. Maybe it's a Tuesday that they are listening to it. could be. It could yeah. be any day of the week. It could yeah. be Easter. It could be, uh, it could be May Day. It could, it could be, you know, Arbor Day even. Yeah. It could be any of those days. Let's get right into it. I think that we have a lot of, uh, of things to talk about in regards to our topic today. So you did actually, I think maybe for the first time ever, you, you successfully completed your homework. That's not true. <laughs> that, I don't think I've ever been sent anything to like actually watch. I'm pretty sure that's, that's happened at least once and you've never watched it. Do you know what it... No, I, don't, I can't think of the specific scenario, but uh, I'm pretty sure there have been situations where I've said, hey, like if you can watch this, it would be great. And then you never do it. I mean, I watched a movie one time. What, oh, God. What movie was that? For me? Yeah. That, uh, wait, hold on. Before the pot, you're talking about before we... You're talking about Bloodsport? Bloodsport. <laughs> First of all, I'm you're so, welcome for okay. that. Like, don't try and make me out to be the bad guy because I forced you to watch one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I burdened you for an hour and a half of entertainment. But you, I mean, just to my point, I do follow up. <laughs> You know, you do um, on occasion, yes. Oh, okay. 
after you, after you almost canceled on me today, but didn't. Um, but you did watch it. So what are your so just to kind of set the stage? And I think I'll even try and put a little bit of audio from that clip. Um, but it was a Ric Flair promo. It was a three minute interview. And honestly, I cannot think of a three minute video, three minute anything that would better encapsulate a human being than that did for Ric Flair. I thought it like. It took on wrestling as well. Like yeah. that's to me is what I think of. I agree. When I when I think of wrestling, was that entire video? Um, I'm trying. I was. I. Uh, In fact, I, I don't here real quick. Yeah. I'm gonna let's say I'm gonna play a little bit of that clip right now. Wrestling Ric Flair, and here is the world heavyweight champion. You know, girls, why don't you give it to him one more time? <laughs> Woo! That's who's standing here today. The world heavyweight champion. Only one. And you're looking. Oh, girls, I can't stand it. Now I got to talk. We all got to be quiet. Nikita Koloff, we've only just begun. That's the end of it. Dusty Rhodes, don't ever make a mistake of sticking your nose in my business. If I'm down and out, I'll get up. And take care of myself. So, Dusty Rhodes, remember when you walk out here, woo, talking Ric Flair. Don't think you can walk in that ring and give me a hand or try to help me out and ease the tension in our relationship. Philadelphia, woo, I'm going to tear you down. Pensacola, Florida, when I get to town, we're going to treat all you women, woo, the way women ought to be treated. Because the NWA and some real men are going to take that Civic Center apart and then we're all going to be over a rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo, we are on tour and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Now, Buddy Landell, it's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name. When last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! And now we're back. All right, go on. I, I think I was trying to gauge more of Greta's reaction when we were watching oh, it. That's right. I forgot uh, that I Greta. I did watch it with her, yeah. Uh, has, has she watched any... Like, has she... After you've come home, I'm not sure how over the moon you are about some of these matches that we watched. <laughs> I don't know how much, how much you're telling her about this, but has she felt compelled to seek out any of these things? Or was her, this no, more or less her first <laughs> experience of watching anything I would, related? This, this was... Is like as far as anything we've watched, yeah. Actually, probably any wrestling. What, yeah, sure. This was it, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, so I was just trying to get. She didn't. She didn't react a ton. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you couldn't how you couldn't react. It's a, the, one of the greatest promos I've ever heard. Yeah, he couldn't keep those alligators down. That was the end of the goddamn promo. It was phenomenal. Yeah. So she had no reaction. That's disappointing. She didn't have no reaction. She just didn't have, like, I, I don't know. It was know. more like a smirk, just like a, huh, and then, 
<laughs> and then moved along. Yeah, I, I'm trying to kind of put this back together. Sure, it's been uh, a little bit. I think she... I think that's probably what she thought of wrestling, too, and so it didn't... She maybe didn't, like, pick up a, like... You like know, a bleached blonde man screaming at the Like, camera. just exactly what she expected. She was, she's, like, kind of blew it off. Um, but, yeah, I, I think she just kind of took it as what it was. Okay, um, well, that's fair. What did you think? Like, it just... It, that, to me... That, we haven't watched a ton of promos. We haven't watched a lot of interviews so far, so that's one of the few that we have. How, how, how did that strike you? Were, were you impressed? That's what I envisioned. Yes, I mean it was it was it was it was a good it, it was a good three minute watch. It was better than the fifteen minute watch we had <laughs> last week. Uh, oh, I, don't, I mean that was pretty good too. But yes, it was, versus Kiss Demon. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. What but, did I put but, that as? Yeah, uh, it's currently seventh out of eight. My, I'm kind of want to move it up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was it was it was, it was worth the three or four minutes. Yeah. To, to watch it, it was it was good. But like that to me is that is what wrestling is. Like, um, I don't disagree. It's that very. It's the wrestling at its best. Mm-hmm. It should be something like like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's why I do want to. Is the thirty for thirty? Is it just? Is it a like what? I don't even know what a thirty for thirty is. What their business is with this uh, with this guy? <laughs> what, you, what does that mean? What's their business with OJ Simpson? What's their what's well, their OJ Simpson with o. was a it was a major like you know he was a college football player, professional football player. Like, yeah. So I mean that's the Ric Flair is the greatest of all time, sir. <laughs> I I do want to watch. It. I really do. <laughs> I, I I am disappointed that I didn't watch it and bring it. Uh, are, are you? Incredulous because it's not an actual sport. Is that what it is? I'm a little surprised ESPN picked it up. Uh huh. ESPN and WWE have have quite the partnership that's developed over the past several years. Do they? Yeah. It's they get a little bit of coverage on SportsCenter every now and again. Do they? Mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of SportsCenter. Not. Anymore, it's so, not like right. highlights of what happened on Monday Night Raw or anything like they that. But they do a lot of cross promotion. Is that a Disney thing? That they're like mm-hmm. tied it because I don't like I keep seeing it on Fox now like it's a major like right but I didn't yeah I didn't know Disney or ESPN was big. WWE's gone really far to try and kind of be more mainstream and stuff like that mm-hmm. so I think that they've been extending all of branches and stuff and so like Brock Lesnar will occasionally do interviews on Sports Center which like makes sense because he comes from the UFC background and stuff like that mm-hmm. but. He'll be promoting, like, WrestleMania, or he'll be promoting whatever. I don't not like the idea. I love the idea that they did something like this. I'm just, I was just surprised, and it's such a well-done, like, that 30 for 30 is kind of top of the line. <laughs> so, like, I was just a little surprised. So, I, I do want to go back and watch it. Maybe I'll give you... You should. I'll give you my take once I do. I, I will eventually, but... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah Nature Boy. But it's, yeah. just, it's just profiling his life. It's, it's very much similar to any other sort of biographical 30 for 30 they put out, but it's about one of the most flamboyant characters yeah. of, of all time yeah. wrestling or otherwise okay. so well, well, well worth your time for me I found that like I knew most of the stories so it was less informative for me but I think you would uh, you would get a kick you out you could have done the 30 for 30 so I, I could have probably put yeah. it together yes with, with what I know there's a couple of interesting kernels but a lot of it I knew so let's talk about uh, what's causing all this which is Ric Flair Ric Flair's causing all this as you may have gathered during the interview, he is the kiss ceiling, wheeling dealing, <laughs> limousine riding, jet flying, woo, son of a gun. Just quick to the point. That little blurbs right there. Tells you everything you need exactly, to know. Yeah. So Ric Flair, here's how I describe him. If 
if you com- if you just condensed eighties excess, just what the nineteen eighties represented as far as you know, rich people and doing cocaine and stuff like that, it would be Ric Flair. That's there you go. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was very eloquent myself. Um, so there was, and in fact, so the one of the parts, this promo is so good. I cannot speak highly enough about how good that interview that I linked to you is. The line where he told that other wrestler that he had spent more money that year on spilt liquor from one <laughs> side of the world to the other than he made was so good. So Ric Flair is a big fucking deal. Like even now, Ric Flair is a big deal. Like there's there's hip hop songs coming out about Ric Flair now. I can see that. Um, but uh, people have actually because of this promo that that we listened to. People have actually done the calculations to determine if Ric Flair <laughs> likely spent more money on spilt liquor than that other wrestler made. It doesn't appear that he did, but it was very close. So, I don't know the, like, on the premise of this fight. Who did he fight? Was this a bigger, like, big, like, big small, or medium name? Uh, it was a small to medium name. That's who he was talking about. I believe, oh, what was I, the guy's name <laughs> in, the, in the promo? I have to remember it off the top of my head. That's not the match we're watching. No, it? that's oh, not the match. Okay, right. That was just him going off. And like during that promo, he goes off on like four or five or six different people, and that's how like wrestling in that company in WCW, we'll just call it WCW. That's how it was for them. Like he was the champion for almost that entire decade of the eighties. Um, more often than not, I, I actually went back and I tried to determine how long was Ric Flair champion for throughout his entire career, and it was almost 10 years in total. Now, granted, it wasn't the entirety of the 80s, but like a good chunk of the 80s he was. Um, so he, he, like everybody would be c- kind of targeting him. So he had things going on mm-hmm. with a lot of different people. But somebody actually did the math of, okay, so if Ric Flair says that he would pour out a drink to try and keep up with people every now and again, and like it's likely that he would spill a little bit every now and again, like Buddy Landell, that's who it was. Oh, that's the guy who... Oh, who he fought against. That's yeah, that's the guy he claimed that he was making okay. more money. And so somebody took, like, okay, Buddy Landell probably would have made X amount of money that year. Uh, here's how much Ric Flair would have been sp- actually spending on liquor of that. Here's what spilt liquor would have come out to be. But it was we really, should really throw cool. that in, like, a tableau of fucking, like, data visualization and just let us see. We need some analytics around yeah, Right, yeah, that is what these tools were built for. Absolutely. Yeah. Determining spilt liquor costs. Yeah. Uh, but I love that line so much. It's so fucking good. Ric Flair, and I know that I'm going to try and make this as clear as possible because I know in the past episodes we've kind of had some confusion around this. Ric Flair, the human being, mm-hmm. is basically <laughs> identical to Ric Flair, the wrestler. Okay. Like what you saw in that video is that guy. It's well documented that he would, he would wrestle. He was wrestling almost every single night back then. He would go out to the bars after after he wrestled. He'd sleep with a bunch of women. He'd travel to the next town. He'd do it all over again. That was Ric Flair's life. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, life. I don't think Ric Flair could exist today. Like, that guy would not... It just wouldn't work. It, 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 did, it, it fit that time and place in that period so well that you couldn't transport it into now. I get that. 
Like, like just, in a pu- and like for the public image, socially, public yeah. image wise, like it just it wouldn't work, but it worked to a T in yeah. the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit of backstory about about our friend Ric Flair here. So he was actually involved in a plane crash in October of nineteen seventy five. Jesus, like what kind of plane? Tiny plane. Okay. So there was like maybe eight to ten people on this plane. Uh, most of them ended up with pretty significant injuries. Uh, the pilot died. Um, That's crazy. Another, and like they were almost, they were, aside from the pilot, they were all wrestling people. So they were either wrestlers or people that were employees of the wrestling company. Uh, there was another wrestler who was paralyzed in this, and Ric Flair b- broke his back in three places. How old was he? In 1975? Let's find out. He was wrestling in the 80s, so he couldn't, like. His birthday was in February 25th. 1949. Oh, shit. So he would have been 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking, that's that's old. <laughs> what, 25 or 26? No. I, You're 30, I, pal. Not 30. <laughs> You're the audience to know that. Uh, but yes, 1975. Broke his back in three places. He was out for eight months and then he came back. He came back to wrestling. And well, plane trash doesn't change your... He... I don't know. It's crazy. But he did have to change his style. And actually, I didn't plan on this. I just watched that video about the guy training earlier today. So you noticed how when he, when the guy in the video earlier, when he was taking his bumps, it was flat. You mm-hmm. want everything to be flat because otherwise you really run the risk of hurting yourself if you're landing all awkwardly. After that plane crash, if you watch a Ric Flair match, he never, ever landed flat on his back. He would always land on one side, which they always teach you, don't do that because you're going to hurt yourself. He never did. Like, is he, like, landing on his arm, or is he landing on just kind of one side of his back? Kind of one side of his back. Maybe a little bit on the arm, but not, like, on his shoulder or anything like that. But, yeah, he he would always not take it on on his spot. Was that, that like... Okay, is that something you picked up on, or like that's like kind of a? I always noticed it. You did. They don't ever address it really on commentary. I, I guess they wouldn't. Yeah. But I mean, they they would talk about the plane crash like it was common knowledge. Although when the plane crash happened, it was a mixture of good guys and bad guys on the plane, and so they had to make up a big convoluted story to like explain why these people would all be traveling together, just because that's how the business was protected back then. Nowadays, it wouldn't matter. But, but back then, it was fucking serious, and you had to protect that shit. I love that. It, That's the best part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too... It, <laughs> you couldn't do it anymore with the internet yeah. and how much yeah. knowledge is out there, but it is kind of a cool yeah. industry to look back on and kind of see how secretive everything was back then. Uh, but yeah, even though... So he broke his back in 1975, he wrestled for another 20 years after that. And he had been wrestling for several years. I suppose he to that. <laughs> I mean, already you're with four so far like forty five ish mid forties. You wrestled. Um, gosh, actually, I think I, I think I'm doing a disservice by saying wrestled for another twenty years. Cause I think it was probably pushing another thirty years. That's so crazy. Granted, the matches became fewer and farther between towards the end of his career, but he was an old man when he finally retired. See, I would think you'd almost be better off like. Like boxing at an old age than like doing any sort of that thing. really worked out well for a Muhammad Ali. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a subject. Is it? Uh, well, I mean, it, we Parkinson's, right? And I think it was. Yeah, but it was probably onset trauma. on account of brain trauma. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That was another thirty. That's for a 30. sensitive subject. Eric. Is it? I think so. I'm just saying. 
you wouldn't want to be an old man boxer for that very reason. No, you're right. My, to- my point is in head trauma. Head trauma is its own sensitive subject. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm saying, like, like when you're 50, let's say you're 50, 50, like, how can you even do these, like, movements on a wrestling match? How does your body, your body would crack. Like You, I mean, so that's part of the, like, getting your body acclimated to just standard bumps. Like, generally speaking, a 50-year-old man's not going to go out there and, and be jumping off the top rope out to the floor or anything like that. You have to adapt and kind of be aware of what your body's capable of at that point. But and people still wanted to... I mean, I guess it's, if, it's a, if it's a big name, but, like, yeah. is that as entertaining? No, a lot of it's more <laughs> nostalgia. You know, pe- people remember how they were. They want to see can we, them. Can we watch an old Ric Flair match at one point? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we I, absolutely I, I, Like an old, like when he's when he's old. Yes. Okay. I, yes. Like, we we will watch an, an old Maybe Ric I'm Flair wrong. Match. Maybe I don't know. I shit. mean, Hulk Hogan wrestled. He's Hulk Hogan's one now. of those guys, like, he's, like, so big that, like, I don't think his bones could crack. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's just, had a really, he's had a, had a ton of back surgery. Yeah. Hulk Hogan has. Yeah. Uh, he's still huge. But um, he's had to have significant back injury. Uh, his finishing move was the big leg drop, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it doesn't look like much. It's, it's, it's just a guy jumping in the air, landing on his butt. But I guess over time, the pressure on his tailbone just got to the point where he's had to have like five or six back surgeries and a bunch of fusion surgeries because he's like a six foot seven yeah. man that 300 nights a year was just boop, boop, and it took a toll. He, yeah. said, he <laughs> said in later years he wished that as his finishing move, he would use a clothesline instead. So there you go. Hindsight. <laughs> Hindsight being 2020. Too bad, Hulkster. Um, speaking of the Hulkster, so we've talked a little bit. Like, Hulk Hogan was the guy for the WWF throughout the majority of the 1980s. And we've seen a couple of Hulk Hogan matches in the 1980s. It's going to be Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. <laughs> Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. <laughs> Will it ever happen? Who knows? Oh, that has not happened. No, I don't know. Well, we, haven't gotten, we haven't gotten that far in the science yet. Hard to say, but um, you kind of in, briefly describe to me your impression of like what Hulk Hogan is. Like, how would you describe to Greta, for example, who is Hulk Hogan? I, I mean, he wears a mustache down to his shoulders, that kind of guy. Okay, he's, got a, he's a, but the character, like I, I, I mean, that's that's like. I mean, okay, that's I mean, the, the, the but character is not a that's, mustache. That's I, are you sure? <laughs> That's why I would almost define him as his mustache. Uh-huh. Big yellow suited, mustache wearing, uh, reality TV. Uh, I did watch his, his reality TV show. But Hogan I, is best. Better to not talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, brother, like, you know. Like. Okay, sure. So that would, then that I was hoping for something else. Oh, so Hulk Hogan, the character. <laughs> Is in the eighties. Uh-huh. Let's talk. Let's let's keep it to the nineteen eighties decade. He was a super patriotic, good guy hero figure. Mm. Always, all, always talk about the Hulkamaniac, the little Hulkamaniacs. He was fighting for the kids. He was fighting for God and country. Just the all-American superhero. Would you agree with this synopsis from what you've seen? I know that it's only been a limited, but like against Macho Man. Um, against Andre the Giant, you know he's 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 the all American good guy hero. Well, I mean, it, it was my description not enough to? Uh, I just wanted wear to find, a mustache. These are all good things, but uh, I just wanted to kind of. I, paint. I don't I don't know him as like, but yes, I could see that. I, I just, well, I'm here to tell you that's Hulk Hogan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he was for the WWF, and they were obviously the biggest wrestling company. Mm. 
you know, definitely in the United States and probably even the world at that point in time. Now, the other major wrestling company uh, in the in the U.S. was called WCW. We've talked about WCW. We've seen a few WCW matches. Even last uh, last week or yeah. last episode, I should say, we watched a WCW match. They weren't always called WCW. There was weird management things. We don't have to get into it. But the NWA is also what it was referred to as. Back the then. NWA. The Not national. <laughs> the national. Okay. Don't you. <laughs> The National Wrestling Alliance, uh, yeah, which dates back. It's over. A, it's I think it's over a hundred years old at this point. Is it really? Yeah, mm-hmm. legitimately. So the National Wrestling Alliance, what it was, and this is this is another super fascinating aspect mm-hmm. of pro wrestling. So the National Wrestling Alliance was a collection of promoters. So let's say that you operated here in the Pacific Northwest, right? So you'd have a, a specific. A grouping of territory. So you would run shows in Seattle and Portland, maybe Boise, you know, whatever. Like that, that's kind of your bubble. That's that's where your that's your territory to run. Think of it as similar to like the mafia. In, in like this is my area, you don't encroach on my area. And so you had the United States and even Canada that was split among all these different promoters, and that was what constituted the alliance between all these different groups. Mm-hmm. And so each regional area they would promote their shows and usually you'd have like a top good guy star for your area. And and so your top good guy would kind of be like fighting other local guys and et cetera, et cetera. But maybe once or twice a year, that's when the NWA champion would show up and, and your top good guy from your area would then get a chance to fight for the national, like the NWA championship. And you didn't get to see the, the champion all that often. Again, maybe once or twice a year. And so it was a big fucking deal. It was like the heavyweight boxing champion coming to your town. And so they just do huge gates, huge amounts of people would come to see like, oh, this is the wrestling world This was champion. international. Uh, it was made, no, this was in the U.S. and Domestic, Canada. okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. But it, the NWA champion did occasionally wrestle in like Japan and Puerto Rico and other yeah. places, but it's primarily based in the United States. And so... A couple times a year, all these different promoters, so you'd have your New York, mm-hmm. your Florida, your California, etc. All these people would get together and they would vote on who they wanted the champion to be. And so different people had different amounts different amount of power depending on like, so the New York territory would be a really, really powerful one because, I mean, there's a ton of money coming through there. Uh, and, you know, Texas would be another really big area. So they voted. They didn't match to like... They, they weren't no, no, they voted. On who so they just be played the... in their like regions, yeah, and then they were voted upon to represent that region. Is they that... were voted upon for who is going to represent all of the entire, all of them as oh. the champion. So, okay. so let's say that you have a guy uh-huh. and he's your top guy, and you're like, I want my guy to be the champion. So you would pitch it at one of these meetings, and everyone would have a vote on, okay, should this person be the next? Champion, and if so, you know, when would that happen, and et cetera. And so, if that person then became champion, then they would start touring all around the country, defending oh, the title against okay. the top good guys of their area. So, to be the NWA champion, you had to be a really good bad guy, and you had to convince people wherever you went, oh, that guy had a chance of beating him. Like, that guy would have beaten, let's just say, Ric Flair. That guy would have beat Ric Flair if he just had another minute. Mm-hmm. If he just had one more minute, that guy would have beat Ric Flair. So, like, it was a completely different business model um, for the NWA than it was for the WWF. And the WWF 
you would bring in a huge fucking bad guy. Hulk Hogan would beat that bad guy, and then you'd kind of shuffle that bad guy back down the card and get rid of him eventually. In the NWA, you had to go from place to place, make the top local good guy look like a million dollars, and be like, oh, he almost had him. Next time. And so then when you came back, there was an incentive for people to be like, okay, now he's going to beat the champion. <laughs> and so that was the NWA. And so that's what Ric Flair, he was probably, if not, well, he probably was the greatest NWA champion because he was so good at making other people look like monsters, look unstoppable. But he would just buy the skin of his teeth yeah. somehow, <laughs> some way. He would cheat. He would, he would he would just fuck that guy and Unheard get out of there. Unheard of in wrestling. Unheard of, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. He invented it. Yeah. But yeah, he'd either get disqualified or there'd be a time limit or something would happen where he would just barely make it out. But then he would talk all braggadocious and be like how he's the best of all time and stuff like that. And so neither, neither philosophy, there's not a right or a wrong way. It's just different. And so that's kind of how like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair two different sides of the same coin you present one guy as as the guy and the other guy is like okay uh, he's not as good as he says he is and I know that that someone else can beat him whereas Hulk Hogan was like Superman yeah. you know, who, who can beat Superman so any any thoughts any questions I'm, I'm wondering what the match is that we're going to be watching yeah. here today uh, okay <laughs> we're just about to that point <laughs> one other thing yeah so it actually so you remember the Harlem Heat versus the Steiner Brothers, our bottom-ranked match at the moment. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, if you recall, there was a, a nice um, multi-course meal set out ringside. Yeah, like grapes and... Grapes, all sorts of fruits. Fruit. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe even some dips, some nice ranch, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that was the Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen were Ric Flair's... That was his group. And so it was him, and they weren't really his family, but they claimed to be his cousins. And so... He formed this group to basically watch his back and like cheat for him. So they would interfere in his matches and help him win the title and, and hold on to the title and stuff. So uh, he's a founding member of the Four Horsemen. The four, the four four Horsemen are going to play a role into this match slightly, which we'll see. Um, they were so good last time. They were so good. They, yeah. They're going to do a little bit more than, yeah. than they did last time. But uh, there's been a lot of different Four Horsemen members. Like there's the original group in the 80s and, and then it kind of changed. Ric Flair was the only constant member of the Four Horsemen. Ric Flair and another guy, which we'll talk about at another point. Uh, last thing I wanted to say about Ric Flair, uh, legitimately, Ric Flair gave my little sister nightmares when she was young. <laughs> she would have Ric Flair nightmares where he was like, running around screaming at her. I, I'm just trying to... Did, did you have, like, a Ric Flair, like, wig or anything? Are you like... <laughs> no, this wasn't me. I wasn't torturing her, yeah. but there was a, a particular match that I would watch where he does this promo afterwards and he's just covered in blood and his hair looks insane and I think she just happened to be walking by and saw just this crazed figure shouting at the screen and it yeah. just it scarred her so so that uh, just a little quick Your aside sister. yeah well you know she, she's made do she's, yeah. she's doing okay yeah, okay so for our match it's going to be Ric Flair who we know all about now versus Sting you remember, oh, that's... You remember Sting well, sort of. I don't know if we actually saw Sting in the last episode, but we at least saw an allusion to Sting. Good, good. This is, yeah. Yeah. Now you get the full story, right? And there you go. Yeah. Exactly. So Sting, just to give you a little bit of backstory, there's not as much to talk about regarding Sting, but he was I a... Sh did he, like, come back from the dead? 
<laughs> this so this match happened in 1990, uh, July of 1990. So this was like tragic. 10 years before he tragically was killed by Vampiro by <laughs> falling 30 feet off of the stage yeah. while set on fire. Uh, so Sting is a former bodybuilder. Started wrestling in 1985. I would say along with Ric Flair, he was probably they were probably the two people that were most closely associated with WCW or the NWA, whatever you want to call it. Um, he was WCW's answer to Hulk Hogan. So he was a little bit different, but like he was meant to appeal to like kids. But it didn't do well, I assume. I've it did heard, do well. Did it? I've never heard of this guy. Sting? Yeah. Uh, he played bass for the police. Um, oh, really? I'm just kidding. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, why, why, do you, why did you bring that up? Because that guy's so, name is Sting as well. Oh. The thing sits for the police. <laughs> I am not a... <laughs> They're friends. They have um, over the name. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, you hear a bunch about. Even Ric Flair to some degree. I've yeah. never heard of Sting as a... Uh, I mean, so WCW wasn't as popular, wasn't as mainstream as WWF. Like, WWF at its peak, I mean, Hulk Hogan, he hosted Saturday Night Live one time. Yeah. Like, in the 80s. Yeah. He was a big deal. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated one time, also in the 80s. The WCW didn't have that type of power to infiltrate the mainstream and kind of get people's attention. So, yeah, Sting was really, really popular, but he was never a mainstream star, but... He was very good. He was significantly younger than Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, so he, he was a lot more athletic. But, he, again, he was meant to be sort of their answer. And I remember as a kid, I didn't dislike Sting, but I thought, that's a knockoff of Hulk Hogan. So it instantly sort of turned me off. I don't think I've ever seen him. He, uh, so at this point in time, in the match we're going to watch, he was just a big, tall, blonde guy. He had hair, unlike Hulk Hogan, but he was also built from being Venice Beach, which I thought was a direct ripoff from Hulk Hogan. Sometimes when you're a kid, you, you latch onto weird things. But Hulk Hogan was billed as being from Venice Beach, California. And that's where they built Sting from. And I was like, eh, that's that's bullshit. There's only one person from Venice Beach, and that's the Hulkster. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, so, oh, actually, okay. Let me read to you the lyrics of Sting's theme song. I know it's been a while since we've gone through one of these. Yeah, no, but they're, they're always worth it. Uh, they're all really good. Uh, here we go. Man called Sting lyrics. Okay, are you ready? I am. All right. The man called Sting. The man called Sting. He's a man called Sting. The man called Sting. He does this. He does that. He's big as a bull and quick as a cat. He looks fine. He looks cool. He's his own man, and he's nobody's fool. Don't double-cross him or get in his way, because if you do, you're going to have to pay to the man called Sting. Uh, I'm intimidated. I'll go to the next <laughs> oh, <there's> verse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that wait, wait. Yeah, no, uh, Is there a course? It's basically... Uh, it's the man called Sting bit. <laughs> he's not like anybody else. If his friends ever need him, he's there to help. And all the kids, they go wild. And all the old people start to act like a child. <laughs> and then it's more man cult sting. It's like 20 more man cult stings. There's no more verses. There, uh, there is. Should I keep going? I mean, Do you yeah. want to hear more? I'll just, I'll just jump to those. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, all of the... I haven't actually heard this much of this song. <laughs> all of the world, he's such a smash. 
You know it's over when he does the stinger splash. He loves his honey. He loves the rock. But no one important loves the scorpion deathlock. That's his finishing maneuver. It's a scorpion nice deathlock. It's a submission hold. Uh, Ric Flair's finishing move is the figure four leg lock. We'll, we'll see it. I, well, I, guess. I think we will. I think we will see it. Zenith. Really curious. So, uh, figure the figure four leg lock. Really quick aside. Yeah. Figure four leg lock is one of my favorite submission holds. It's so weird, but I love it. You could never do it in a real fight, but if you somehow could, it would be amazing, and like the person could not escape. I want to. It's like a leg hold where you twist around their leg and you're both laying down on the ground. You're putting pressure on their knee. But like legitimately, and I've done this, I've done many figure four leg locks to people. <laughs> if both people turn oh. over on their belly, so you'll see that one guy will try and turn over. If you can successfully turn the other person, then it reverses the pressure and the pressure goes on the person who that's, applied the move. That's intense. And that's real. That's, I've done well, you've it. D- you've been there. Yeah, yeah. I've been it. I've been there. I've tested it. I've been both the applicant and also the, the reverser. And it does reverse the pressure. So I'll, if anyone wants me to teach you the figure four leg lock, I'm happy to do so. Do so. Uh, everybody wonders what he's going to do. That's uh, Okay, Little Stingers believe in him. That's all it needs to win the title again. Uh, okay, yeah, that's it. So there you go. It was getting better. I know, it was, it was yeah. really escalating. I don't know if it was as good as the Steiners and, you know, how they don't do drugs and they're uh, always on top. But it's pretty good. I think the same lady sings both. Um, but as far as the actual build-up to this match, just so you kind of get an idea. Um, so Sting was a member of the Four Horsemen. What a, what a world. But this, the Four Horsemen, when he was a member, were good guys. Uh, Sting was then kicked out of the Four Horsemen and beaten up by the group after he won the right to challenge Flair for the NWA championship. Shortly after that, he injured his knee and was out for the next five months. Uh, when he returned, the match was made between Sting and Ric Flair for the World Championship, and that's what we're going to be watching here today. So July 1990. So this is Sting's return from his knee injury. Ric Flair had kicked him out of the Four Horsemen, and now they're going to settle the score at uh, Great American Bash. So this is a little off topic, but mm-hmm. is back in, say, 1990, yeah. was this build-up and storyline... And like the theat was it? Did people actually like believe it? Some people did. I'm sure some, some people, people did. did. Was it like widely, or was it mostly like just entertainment? It was by this point. I think it was mostly entertainment. So, but like in the '80s, people like you would say it was more skewed towards people like believing it. I don't know how much it. For me, I did. For me, I believed it. Well, you were what? I was. Six, <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I believe not a great excuse. But not, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think it was less about people believing it, and more about the suspension of disbelief. It was not doing things to make it egregiously obvious that it was fake. So people were able to kind of suspend their disbelief for at least a little bit, and 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 do that. Like you always, I remember hearing all sorts of stories. There's a wrestler that I eventually watched named Terry Funk where. Terry Funk had this quote where he said, you know, I can't make people believe that it's real, but I can make people believe that I'm real. And so I think that was the philosophy of a lot of guys of going out there and, and, you know, trying to at least portray themselves somewhat seriously. And nowadays, since the secret's out and everybody kind of knows how everything works, there's a lot less 
commit yeah, to that. That's why, because it doesn't seem like nearly, even like as a kid growing up, like the WWE or like, you know, wrestling in general was a big, like, yeah, you know, but it, I just don't see it anymore. And I think that's why a lot of the style of wrestling has changed over time. I mean, we've seen a couple of modern matches, and there's a lot more acrobatics, there's a lot more flying around, whereas yeah. in the 80s and 90s, it was more ground-based, and it was presented as more or less a real fight yeah. with things that are obviously... I like it. I like it. If I threw you in a direction, you would not run against the ropes, bounce off, and come back to me. Like, that would not happen. So there is a certain level where you but have But, like, to... as kids, you could get together and be, like, really stoked about, like, sure. the storyline and, yeah. like, watching them. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that is one thing that's changed. The last thing I wanted to mention before we get into this match, which, just for the record, I know that I try and mention this every time, I don't believe this match is available for free anywhere. So, again, this is another WWE Network thing that you have to subscribe to. But if you are curious, it's... Sting versus Ric Flair, Great American Bash 1990. Maybe someone's put it up on Vimeo or something. I don't know. Uh, but the last thing that I wanted to mention before we watch the match, uh, ways of cheating in professional wrestling. I don't think we've addressed this. We know how you can win a match in professional wrestling, but I don't think we've addressed how you can cheat, like different ways of cheating. Uh, Ric Flair was known as the dirtiest player in the game, so mm. oftentimes he would cheat in any number of ways. Um, one way of cheating is use of illegal objects. Jump out of a tree. Jump out of a tree. Well, unless it's a graveyard match, and then it's well within oh, the rules. Okay. Uh, but, you know, steel chairs, also a, fr a frequent weapon that uh, Ric Flair would use. Uh, brass knuckles. <laughs> that seems like fair game, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times he would have brass knuckles down his trunks. Yeah. And then he would pull them out and slug a guy. And then and, put them back in. And then put them back in really? and pin them. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So, so that was the, or you'd have a manager, one of the four horsemen or somebody ringside, they'd like slip him the knuckles and then he'd do that. Classic. Yeah. So that's one way of cheating. Uh, another way of, che <laughs> uh, another way of cheating is using the ropes for leverage. That's not encouraged. No, it's not. It is illegal. If, if either participant is in the ropes, that is technically like, you'll see the referees start counting because they're not supposed to be in the ropes. It's like boxing. They cannot. Like, they cannot bounce off of them? Bouncing off of them is, is fine, but, like, sustained contact with the rope is no. That's that's a no-go. Okay. So if you back your opponent, like, let's say you shove somebody in the ropes and you're, like, holding them there, the referee will intervene and be like, one, two, and you got to break by five or there's a disqualification. Got it. Um, so it's the same thing if, I, if I'm pinning you and you put your foot on the rope, that, that pin is now invalid because you're in the ropes and that doesn't count anymore. That seems like a great way to get out of a pen. We'll see that at some point yeah. in time. I don't know if we'll see it today, but uh, conversely, if you are trying to cheat, there's certain moves, like uh, submission moves, where if you tug on the ropes, that gives you more leverage to apply more pressure on the hold. So that's illegal, and you can also use it for pinning a person. So sometimes you'll see instead of someone just laying on top of another guy, they'll prop their feet up on a rope, so that, that way they have more weight coming down on the person's body. This is, it's interesting that we've gone from, like, things that you, like, these are kind of, like, technicalities, mm -hmm. and then, like, you start off with brass knuckles, you know, like, all <laughs> in one thing, you have to, like... It's like the food pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> you got to work your way up, so it's the, your, your base of uh, brass knuckles, yeah. that's easy to understand why that would be illegal, uh, and you work your way up to leverage and, and okay. momentum. I didn't like, understand, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for... I'm a trainer. I, yeah. I, this is what I do. Um, low, blo <laughs> low blows, uh, eye gouges, eye pokes... Uh, that sort of thing. That's all illegal too. I feel like he's a lot like he's that. 
a lot of times the ref would be like, hey, don't do that again. Yeah. But, but like, uh, I've seen disqualifications off of low blows. Like, that's, that'll happen sometimes. If you're, if you're a real good bad guy, you'll somehow distract the referee and then right. low blows. So it's cheating, but it's highly encouraged, all of this. Except I mean, for the technicalities. The refs don't like that. But, like, brass knuckles and, like, poking someone right in the Brass eye. knuckles low is blows, an immediate every... disqualification. Oh, yeah? If the referee sees if it. If the referee sees it. Well, that's, that's why Ric Flair was the best at I... what he did. I bet the referee sees a lot more, like, foot on the rope when you're getting pinned, more so than brass knuckles. You're correct. It's like, have you been watching wrestling when you haven't been over here? How did you know that? I don't know. Sophomore is southern now. Last thing that I can think of, there may be some other things that I'm forgetting, but the last thing I'll mention, uh, pulling the trunks during a pin. So that's another leverage-based thing. So sometimes you'll see a guy roll up somebody, um... And so they'll, like, hang on to the guy's trunk so they have, like, the trunks for leverage. That's also legal. Got it. Yeah. Nice. So there you go. So that's how you cheat at wrestling. And Press just... knuckles, eye gouges, and then... Mm-hmm. Brass knuckles. You want to you hold them? <laughs> I've got brass knuckles right now. When I was talking about brass knuckles, <laughs> I went to go grab brass knuckles. <sighs> they feel good, right? Huh? Where'd you get these? Uh, they were a gift for officiating a wedding. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they actually say till death. Is it engraved? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nice, nice touch. Yeah, I have, I have my. uh, Did you know that technically brass knuckles are illegal? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So there, those are not real brass knuckles. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Those are just rubber. They feel soft. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not not the real thing. But uh, yeah, brass knuckles illegal because apparently if you are close enough to use force or I don't know, it was weird. Look up brass knuckles laws, people. I'm, I'm not here to tell you about them, but they, yeah, they're technically illegal. Uh, anything for Ryan's Corner? Ryan's Corner! <laughs> There's nothing more that I like than a fresh cut line. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the audience should know by now. I, I did buy a boat. That's right. You are a boat owner. Uh, everyone knows one of the greatest investments that a human being can make is owning a boat. Greta is very excited about... The investment opportunity in this, <laughs> and uh, so we're we are getting ready for the uh, spring and spring and summer. With this, have you figured out a name for the boat yet? No. Are you still thinking? Oh, it's going to be. So you're correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're a boat you're a boat guy. You've had a, a raft for yeah, a little while that did not go well at all. You've never dreamed of like one day maybe I'll have a boat. Like you never like. Considered, oh, what would I name my boat if I ever had one? Like you've never. I didn't really know boat names were such a big deal, but they are apparently. Absolutely, it's the best part of owning a boat is naming it. I just have to, yeah. No, I mean, I, you're right. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but you are right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I'm working on it. Um, when we were talking off air, I think the part that I, that surprised me the most is that you have a friend that you're close enough who's not me. Who would be who would be willing? Yeah, to you didn't s- offer to keep the boat. I didn't. Well, I didn't. You have know. a three car garage. <laughs> Dude, no, I have a two. I have a two car garage with a shop, sir. That's right. But uh, there actually was a when we first moved in. The people who lived here before yeah. us, they had a boat. Did they? Yeah. yeah. And it was a huge boat that was taking up like almost the entire garage. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I was surprised that you found somebody who just had like the spare space and was willing to be. Oh, you can store the boat. Like I. I would not do that with for any of my friends. Like anyone who's <laughs> listening right now, if you ask me, will you store my boat for me, Eric? I would say no. Well, Jared's a great guy. Just a shout out hey, to Jared. Shout friend, out to Jared. Show Jared. <laughs> hey man. Um, 
Big ups to Jared. Like and subscribe for Jared. Mash, yeah. mash that subscribe button for Jared. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got a space in the front, um, and I. Are you ki- are you kicking him back some money for this? I hope so. No, I want to him I, out to a nice dinner. I, I told him he like I mean he can free access to use the boat. Oh really? Which oh, I think so is a fair trade off. Yeah. What is going on with your finger? I I got it. I pinched at it. Is it bleeding? bleeding? I'm bleeding. Are you bleeding? Yeah. Oh gosh. Hope we don't okay. have uh, hepatitis or something. That's yes, that actually. There's a coronavirus. <laughs> that's how that's uh, um, transferred. Anyway, yeah. So um, that's that's what we're doing. You're gonna be a boat guy. Right in time for summer. Any yeah. particular uh, areas that you like boating? Are you a fish? Do you fish? Um, I used to fish. Are you going to start fishing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the boat's decked out for fishing, like completely. And the guy was almost like, "I'm not going to sell you the boat if you don't take crabbing." Oh. Um, well, as long as he didn't make you like sign a contract, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um. But so I'll be crabbing, fishing. Okay. The works. Wow. When are you going to find the time to, to hang out no, here and talk about busy. wrestling? We could do a podcast on the boat. I, was, you know. I mean, all that wind. We'll ju- we'll just get some nice little uh, w- you know wind blockers from the from the microphone. Yeah, you were annoyed it. with my you know um, what, what did I? Well, did I still? You do st- yeah, you do things still. <laughs> uh, a lot of times. So I'm glad that you actually brought bottles over today because ordinarily when you have cans, you like flick the uh, little tab. Just a fidgety guy. If I got you a fidget spinner, would you use it? Here, like you can't take it home, but you can leave it here. I've never been like a fidget spinner. Like I know a lot of people at work used to play with them, and I, but I just I just fidget with like anything. Like it's hand yeah. motions. It's well. Earlier you were rubbing your feet very sensually against the legs of the chair. I did. And that's probably going to be picked up on the microphone. Was I? Yeah, you were. I could hear it. See, I don't even notice like that. <laughs> that they, and it's. It, I know I work because I work directly with with people, and I know I'm doing this the entire time. Yeah, and, I'm just but, surprised that you managed to somewhat curb the the slapping and hitting because I that was a very common theme that you seem to be making progress. For myself, day, yeah. mm-hmm. I've noticed as I've started listening to more of these, lesser in the early episodes, but more lately, I've been saying the word like a lot, and now I'm catching it all the time, and so now I'm trying to... My mom used to hate that. <laughs> it, it was just, it was all like, restart the sentence, if you're gonna say like. It was that severe. And it was a big thing in like, the ni- yeah. in the 90s, 2000s. Sure. You like was at almost every, so my mom hated it. I think my dad called me out at a Panda Express one time for, for, for saying, saying like, for saying yeah. like, and then I was trying to like, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come back and say, oh, well, you say man a lot, but he, he didn't. <laughs> There's something I, I just, just needed to stick. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't my, my best work, but uh, yeah. I blame the orange chicken. Uh, any anything else around boats or boating uh, I think that's... or Ric Flair or limousine riding or jet flying? Kiss dealing, wheelie dealing. My greatest fear is a plane crash, so that's why I was interested in you. Oh, really? Yeah, that by far, hands down, greatest huh. fear. Borderline, like I'll fly wherever, but I do not like getting on planes. Sure. Um, plane crash. Yeah. Wow. Hundred percent. I mean, that would be a bad way to go, but you know, be an awful way to go. I mean, just for like, it'd probably be pretty quick once you got down, but sure. Uh, the whole. 30 seconds that you're going. Oh, yeah. That would be just a stressful way to go. Worst. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, uh, we're going to watch some wrestling. Uh, stay tuned for this commercial break. Our lovely sponsor has a, well, it's me, but on behalf of our lovely sponsor, I've got some wonderful things to talk to you about. So uh, we'll see you in a little bit talking about Ric Flair and Sting, Great American Bash, 1990. How excited are you? You've So officially, officially, uh, we had a five match losing streak going on for Ryan. Uh, up until now, really trying to break that streak. And lo and behold, with the help of the Stinger, you did it. You accurately predicted Sting defeats Nature Boy Ric Flair I did. I did. for the World Heavyweight Championship. How do you feel? I think we all loved it. <laughs> we, uh, we all loved it. We loved that Ric Flair begged for mercy like seven or eight times. We loved all the chops. We loved it all. It was I saw it. I saw him beg for mercy twice. I don't, and they, and they were very dramatic. I'm, just, I cannot believe I missed five other potential. It happened so many times. Why did he beg for mercy so much? It would always happen in like. So what would happen is Sting would no sell. So Ric Flair would hit him, and then Sting would be like, "Nope, didn't feel that. I'm gonna shake that right off." And then in response, Ric Flair would, "Oh God." <laughs> They did at one point. They like hopped out of the ring, and they were with all the and they're like, and the guy, it's man to man, right. and then immediately hopped in. He's like, oh my god, like just like that was immediately the, after. That was one of the more egregious very, examples yeah. of how ridiculous it was. Because you're right, he whips them into the metal guardrail. They're kind of standing there staring at each other. Ric Flair climbs into the ring and then immediately gets down on his knees, like, oh god. That was the first one I noticed, and it was very odd. What happened? Like, it was just like a second ago you guys were, like, facing off. We had to know what to look for. I think once you saw it happen that once, then it became obvious every time it happened. Well, the second one was, like, the last one, I think, right? I believe so. And that was also very... Yeah. Yeah. Another another classic... I don't uh, think I've seen that in a wrestling match before. Begging? Yeah. Uh, uh, There's a few other people... No, we haven't seen it in any of the ones that we've watched, but that was absolutely a Ric Flair thing. And there were there were other wrestlers who would incorporate it, but but I had I would have to say Ric Flair was probably probably one of the ones that you would equate to be like oh yeah he was he was the guy who would beg. <laughs> so okay yeah yeah because um, again got to make the other guy look good got to make him look strong. We lost so and he did lose he did it, lose yeah. a rare a rare loss for the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah. Let's go to the notes. Let's go to the notes as we ride this high, as we just enjoy our time here. Uh, Sting promo. Your first and your initial thought is he looks like Val Kilmer in Top Gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which he did. He yeah, the, he... The, the, the mm, crew, or the, what do you call it? Flat top. Yeah. He had the flat top and yeah. the aviators on. Especially like, like dog tags. Yeah. You know? Well, nobody's perfect. He'll get there. I, I think that to his character and the uh, that Gordon Soley was the one doing the announcing and I I do appreciate the old time announcers that are so, like someone's grandpa so, so good yeah like you can just imagine him with like putting out a cigarette immediately it, before they go up at the microphone like Sting yeah. how do you feel before the, the big match the bow tie the suit yes the old mic like it's just and the glasses the tra- transition all. lenses perfect <laughs> Every, so good everything yeah. you want yeah. everything you want um, the Ric Flair promo, classic promo, $2,000 suit. Uh, he okay. said his famous line, to be the man, you gotta beat the man, which Sting did. Uh, great hair, by the way. Speaking of hair, Ric Flair's hair looked magnificent. It did. It did. I would say 
Mine at one time looked just as good. It's it's. I think that you would do well to bleach. <laughs> I don't I don't know what Greta's thoughts are, but I think just try it. You know, just just give it a, give it a try. If you don't like it, the you can the bleach hair. Yeah. Oh. Can you just imagine the wind blowing through your bleach blonde hair? I might hair do it again. As you I just <laughs> woo across the uh, across the lake. Lake Stevens. Lake, or, yeah, Lake know, Stevens. Like just, yeah. Is that uh, going to be your preferred boating area, Lake Stevens? Probably not. Okay. But, you know, it's just a clip. That's where you want the long hair. That you'll fit right in. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll think you're from Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the dudes with attitude surrounded the ring to help protect, which, that's such a 1990s name. So good. And the, what, what year was this match? 1990. It was, oh, you're July right. July 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They said that. The Great American Bash, hence Sting's red, white, and blue gear. When did NWA come out? Was it like 92? The rap group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like early 90s. So these were the dudes with that, too. So these are the dudes, yeah, they were the precursor. I, I love it. And it, it just makes sense where, like, dude came from now. It's like, is this kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It's, it's dude. Oh, checks out. Uh, we saw the, the <laughs> El, El Gigante, the former... Uh, Atlanta Hawks. I don't think he actually ever played for them. What, what was that? They they did handcuff each other, but there was they just kind of sat next to each other the whole the whole match. So the idea there was so Ole Anderson. That was the dude in the suspenders that looked again like another old man. Mm-hmm. He's a member of the Four Horsemen, so he's one of Ric Flair's lackeys. And so like almost their entire existence is to protect Ric Flair's championship to make sure that Ric Flair doesn't lose the title. If he's in danger, you run in. And you, and you just get everyone disqualified. Like, that's, like, fuck it. Like, is that what they were trying to do at the end? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ric Flair was in danger. we so, got to run in and save him and, and just get the, the match secu- tossed was out. The, was it the four, like, guys around the rink that were, like, like... I'll get to fighting. that point in a second. We'll, okay. we'll circle back around to the dudes right. with attitudes. So, Ole Anderson's a member of the Four Horsemen. I think in that time he was operating as Ric Flair's main manager, so he'd be ringside. So the idea was... Let's handcuff him to this eight-foot-tall man so he can't go anywhere. So that was the idea. So instead of putting him in the back or handcuffing him to a stationary object, hey, let's just handcuff him to this big, tall string bean. Okay, got it. So that was, that was the idea there. And then the other guy, the dudes with attitudes who were around yeah. the ring were there in case the other four horsemen showed up. Okay. And that also, that was... They're not like worried about like security or anybody. They're there for like his other yes, lackeys. Oh. Exactly. And did, did, were they the ones fighting at the end? Yes. Those were the four horsemen that came running out. So if you and remember, that security kind of came out and like fought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ric Flair was in the Scorpion Deathlock, Sting's finishing maneuver. And when he was in the Scorpion Deathlock, that's when the four horsemen ran out. Like, oh shit, he's gonna lose the title. Then the dudes with attitudes showed up. They beat them all back. The the horsemen didn't know what to do, so they just went back to the to the locker room, and then shortly thereafter, Ric Flair uh, lost. Okay, this is my impression. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this. You seem to love Ric Flair and his, uh, his uh, the way he hypes himself up for a match. That's fair, but is he yeah. just is he just a big talker and like a fucking huge pussy? Like, or is that like what he? The whole fucking like get down on my knees and like oh my god what sure. like that was the most that was the craziest thing one of them I've seen in like a wrestling besides maybe the graveyard match like right that was that was so weird um 
As a bad guy, yeah, pretty much. Like he would he would do that begging thing uh-huh. every single match. So so weird. But but in a lot of times, and he pro- I think he did it against Sting. I don't remember it. I mean, <laughs> we can rewatch it. But a lot of times, what would happen is he would do the beg thing, like please, please, no, 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 please, and then. It would just be to sucker the guy in, and then he gouge him in the. And eye. then you were saying like to win, like to kind of like, oh, he just he almost had him, like yeah, and he kind of went at the end by cheating or something, or... right? So he would lull them into a false sense of security, like, hey, this guy's begging for his life, and then when they'd go down to like grab him by the hair, he'd poke him in the eye, like that was a pretty frequent move that he would do. So, so like talking the idea the game of a giant is, pussy, like it was more of a <laughs> like a psychological thing, but I think yeah. at times it was legitimately meant to be like, oh shit, please don't kill me, type of thing. So yes, I, I, I think in a lot of cases, it was just him being a big pussy. Interesting. Interesting dynamic, though. Mm-hmm. I, I did not expect. Yeah. He wouldn't do... Like, if he was a good guy, if he was wrestling as a good guy, right. he would not do that. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't beg off. But the Ric Flair character as a good guy was more or less the same. He would just maybe tone down a little bit of the expensive suit stuff, but... I mean, that was just kind of the Ric Flair character. So it wouldn't be drastically different aside from okay. less begging. Got it. Uh, let's see here. Um, a, lot of, a lot of leg working, a lot of knee work that we saw in the match. It was inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate to, to do that much knee work on the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I love the, the nice limb work. Yeah. Uh, I really like the part where Ric Flair hurt his butt. <laughs> I know. And he was so... Like, after... <laughs> he just... He, like... He's like a ring move. He had to get his like leg on the ring, and he like on jumped ropes. on it on the ropes. Yeah, what I say? The ring. That's what I mean. Sure. Yeah. And and then like he hurt his like glute. Like, so so yeah, what happened was he put like you said he put Sting's leg up on the bottom rope, bottom of the three, and then he was going to jump up. And then, like, crash down. He's doing a trampoline effect. It's not gonna... just like a regular. He was gonna, yeah. I mean, yes. He was going to trampoline, but he was going to go butt first trampoline uh, on Sting's knee, which he had done earlier in the match. But this time, Sting moved. Uh, Ric Flair's butt went into the ground, and then he was—he seemed surprised by that. That was when I knew the match was was over. <laughs> That's what you did make your prediction. It wasn't the glute. I mean, that. Jesus, you know, like shortly just karma's got to catch up to you at some point. Right? It's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, poor guy with his glute injury, but he, <laughs> he had several severe knee um, mm-hmm. or attacks on his knee, I guess. Yeah, and he, and that, and he just he didn't love America enough. He wasn't even wearing. And that wasn't hated by the fans, or maybe was that like a which thing? The glute thing? Like it feels like all these wrestlers. Like the I was going to say the video you sent me. It was like they agreed not to do like deal you know, with the neck. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, know, hold but... on. Real quick. Okay, so I will post this on our social media channels. Um, but yes, so so the gift that I sent you was, and I gave you the backstory of, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't hurt my head and, and like you won't go after my knee because my knee hurts. And then during the match, there's a bit where the guy, and like this, the bit in the match, that looked brutal. Like you yeah. could believe, yeah. oh shit, that guy fucked his knee up yeah. real bad. And the referees are out there. They're help. He's like in tears, crying. And then when the guy, the his opponent is in like clapping, like "Hey, everybody, yep. give it up for he tried his best." Like it sucks they hurt his knee. And then he turns his back, and the guy with the supposed knee injury kicks him in the back of the head and starts strutting. Just perfect description of what I. Knew. That's pro wrestling. That's wrestling. Yes, that is pro wrestling. Exactly. And um, I watched that gif over and over <laughs> and over. Uh, I love it. 
Yeah, no, it was very good. It was well summed up, very quick, <laughs> to the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what I, you see it all the time. They just, sure. They just go right after any sort of injury. You got a brain injury, they got after the brain. Yeah, yeah you got to go after the brain. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just got to bust some brains. Yeah. I get it. I'm right there with you. Um, anything else about the match that stands out that you want to discuss? Or is it time to rank this shit? Yeah, no, we can rank uh, Yeah, let's, All right. let's rank it. Let's um, actually, it. that's a good question. I have... I had to go... I got to go with a smaller font. Can I, can I see the board? You I may. Here, out of the hand, that, hand that over to you. So we've got eight matches so far. Top match, as always, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. Still hasn't been, yeah. Uh, Did you, have you memorized the board? Could you do this without... Number one, Shingo. Yeah. Two is... Is it Taz versus Bam Bam? There you go. Yeah. Three is Kaufman and Hart versus yeah, Lawler. Four... Oh, gosh. Four <laughs> is where it starts to get a little hazy. Um, no, I, don't, I, I lost it at four. Hope versus Macho. Hope versus Macho. Okay. And then, and then there's a, is it... Shield versus Wyatt. Shield, okay, Hulk Shield versus Hulk. Hulk. Oh, Hulk. I remember that there was a match between the Hulks. Okay, yeah. that's it. pretty good. But yeah, I wouldn't have remembered them. Well, I've had to write. I that mean, list I rated them myself, and I. <laughs> so, um, so what are we thinking? What? what uh, I'm what, starting to lose track of like what these matches were a little bit. Well, scientifically, I'm here to help you with the science. So, um, did did you what, like that? Did you enjoy the match? Let's I did. I did. I did enjoy the match. I thought okay. overall the match was actually very well. Like that is. That to me was a classic. Okay. That's what I expect when you, when you think of wrestling. Pro sure. wrestling. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's, okay. So we'll start with that. That's our jumping off point. You liked the match. Is it the best match? It wasn't no, better than Will no, Ospreay no, versus no, no, Shingo. No, no. Which had Shingo hurt. It wasn't. It wasn't that good. Okay, okay. So <laughs> okay, so it wasn't that good. No. And then number two is Taz versus Bam Bam. So Taz versus Bam Bam had Taz suplexing Bam Bam into the it crowd. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. I'm trying to think of Coppin. Uh, Harvard, wait, Andy oh, Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit, that's right. I remember. So that that, that was largely comedy. Yes, it was. That was, a, I, it was a, I did like that one's gonna stay. I, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, I'm not here to to dissuade you in any way. I feel like I put Hulk versus Macho just to put it below Hoffman versus. Uh, so for Hulk versus Macho, you were a little upset that you picked Macho Man to win. Was was that? Yeah, was that, I think my, my, one of my first because bosses. you loved the commentary that had the best commentary that we've seen so far. Good call, good call. You're right. You're right. Uh, the match itself was altogether not that different from what we like classic wrestling. But I fucking love good commentary. I yeah. that is important to me. Sure. But, okay. So Shield versus uh, Wyatt. So, so um, it was the the Manson family versus the tactical. Yeah, yeah, the bro- yeah. You keep calling them brothers, but none of, none of them are actually brothers. I'm probably put it right around there. I just can't up or down. Wow, for a match that you enjoyed so far, it's going real low on this list. Again, this is scientific. I'm not here to dissuade your opinion one way or the other. This had nothing like pulling me into the match. This was kind of like watch and like see what happens. Okay. I didn't sure. feel really like invested in the match. Okay. Um, That's fair. You even you did exclaim after the match is over, Sting is your yeah, guy. But, but <laughs> I liked how modest Sting was. <laughs> I like people probably I, not give him credit for his speech, but I I enjoyed his speech and I, I respected forgot, it. I should have made a note about that. Yeah. That speech was one of the weirdest. It's not good. It did not hype up the crowd at all. 
Um. Congratulations, Dick. My mouth is really dry, so try and understand what I'm going to say. Ric Flair is the greatest world champion of all time. Me, on the other hand, I'm a champion tonight and tonight only. I've got some big shoes to fill in Ric Flair's shoes. Although we may have our differences, all I have to say is I'm going to do the best that I can do. And that's it. That was So just so you know, that was the very first time he had won the World Heavyweight Championship. Like that was, that's a big, I've seen, I've seen men cry after winning their first world championship. Like, legitimately, I've seen them break down in tears in the middle of the ring. I would think it's he kind did of a not. prerequisite that you, like, when you win a match like that, you give a, or you have to be able to give an amazing, like, crowd-hyping speech. Yes. I would assume so. But I love, I love the modesty. He's <laughs> like, I fucking, that guy is really better than me, but, uh... Yeah. You know, From one tonight, modest man to another. That's right. Yeah. I would say I'm one of the more modest men. <laughs> A man of modest means <laughs> loves another modest man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, I don't know. May, like I'd probably put it between. I'd probably put it. I guess six. This is yeah. your list, so, so yeah, I'd probably put it six. Okay. So that moves. That's three. I, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. Hope, Hope versus Andre. Um, you I ask me this question every single episode. <laughs> Literally every single give me, time. Give me just a quick rundown. A bear hug that lasted forever. The birth of the leg up. The leg up. The leg up. Going, okay. and, and your favorite bit, the part where they pull the mats up, and then Hulk Hogan gets flipped over Andre, but it looked real awkward. And you were insistent upon something, like they were trying to do something they weren't actually trying to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, next, next time we do this. Yeah. Episode 10. Gonna, episode 10 next episode, time. I'm going to take a quick, like, no and just mark. So I can, I need to know you where I'm You have a phone. No, but I'm, I don't want to write it down right now. I had a long day. <laughs> um, next time I will come back and we'll I'll go over this. And then, um, but yeah, so... Notes I, for what each mat, like... Yeah, like something to, like, kind of, like, make sure I remember. So I know okay. I'm putting these and I get a good order. That's a good uh, idea. I don't know I, why you weren't doing that the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember every detail about all these matches. Um yeah, no, the leg up. Fuck yeah, that was a, I that I love that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so this will go behind Hulk versus Andre. Wow, really? Yeah, it just like I said, your reaction to Hulk versus Andre was you. But I think I lost that match, right? And no, you I, won it. You didn't mm, win. Did I? That was our first match, and you thought this shit is so easy because you were so confident. You were like, I can predict this whenever I want. That was the very first match that we watched. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that makes yeah. And, and so you you just thought you were very laissez-faire you were like oh wrestling yeah fuck yeah I know I had it every it. single I had time it. Yeah. you hadn't had the five match losing streak yet you, <laughs> you didn't know how few and far between these victories are going to be yeah I did not I did but not. you did win that match yeah. for the record so yeah behind that so I like I said nothing pulled me out about this match I okay. did like it yeah I, like the the last two, I didn't really. Was it care the Rick, did Ric Flair not beg enough for you? Did you need more Ric Flair? I'm in not. Hands a, I'm not. Right now, I am not a Rick. I I will watch the thirty for thirty, but I'm not a. I okay. I should not say that. Okay. I love his character. I really do. I sure. love the quick to the. That is, that is, entertaining. I liked watching it with Red Eye. Enjoyed the whole yeah. experience. You didn't like the match. You you didn't like Ric Flair's part of the match. No. It, you know who hates Ric Flair who? legitimately? My father. Yeah. <laughs> My dad fucking 
hates Ric Flair. He just he, he is he is kind of a like not. I mean, first of all, the whole begging thing just caught me like off guard, and it was very <laughs> weird. Um, he was not like like he didn't do anything like impressive. Like I thought when he like spun off the top of the ring for a second, he was gonna like come back and like kick the guy in that. Yeah. None of that happened. He just got, like, taken out. You thought he was going to do fucking ninja I thought, moves. Yes. Like, I thought he was going to do something really fucking cool, and that didn't happen. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, so, probably, uh, I guess you, this would be the new number seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven. Oh, wow. Seven out of out of nine. So, yeah. it's above Vampiro and Kiss Demon, below Hulk yeah. Contract. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There. All right. Let me make a quick note. Man, we did it. I think this episode might clock in at our longest Jesus of all time. <laughs> Unnecessary for you to say that, but uh, okay. Um, before we wrap things up, quick little preview. So episode 10 is a big landmark for our show, for our program. So just as a quick little teaser trailer. So next episode, yeah. we're, go- we're going to watch... One of the matches that I've seen, I've probably seen this over a hundred times. Maybe hundreds, potentially. Why so often? So this this match is from the very first pay-per-view that I ever ordered. My parents, whenever I would order a pay-per-view, they would tape it, and I would just watch it over and over. It's like a song, you know, like you listen to. Yeah, sort of. Hundreds of times. Probably. That's that's a lot. Yeah. So I have... Incredibly deep knowledge, yes, but incredibly fond memories. Like this encapsulates my childhood. Are you gonna be offended if I pick the wrong? I'm I'm going (laughs) to try to be as not biased as I possibly can. But this match means a lot to me, which is why we're saving it for the tenth episode. Um, It's going to be a Survivor Series match. So we're going back to the WWF. Actually, just a few months after the match that we just watched later in 1990. Um, Great year. Great year. It's going to be a four versus four man match, elimination style. Is that is that a tag team type of style, or is it like uh, they're, they're? Yes. Okay, it's tag. It's team. tag team, but with the added caveat of each member of the team has to be eliminated from the so, match. So it's the, not first pin wins. It's each member has to be eliminated. Is this a famous match, or is this just like one of your personal favorites? Personal favorites, okay. not a famous match in any way. But uh, here's what I will say. This match legitimately convinced me that professional wrestling was real. I love that. Okay, good. So that is good. that, that is, is a on... great way to wrap. So <laughs> I might be back here a little bit sooner. I want. Okay. I, I am. Yeah, I'm interested now. I, that yeah. has piqued my interest. This match convinced me, <laughs> okay. and like it's going to be so bizarre as you watch yeah. it. But trust me, this match. When did you? Me. So when did you first watch it? Were you like... I watched it live. So, like, six, seven? I would have been... I just turned seven. Seven years old. Were you with your family? I'm sure I was. pay-per-view. I'm sure... Your I, dad I was a wrestling fan, right? Like... My dad... My... Yeah, not a big wrestling fan. Like, I was a much bigger wrestling fan than he was. I think he would placate me, but I, I think okay. what ha- what's... I think the start of all this was he ordered WrestleMania three to see Hulk versus Andre, because I think even to a casual... Person, oh sure, yeah. Seeing Andre the fucking giant and Hulk Hogan, like you were at least a little curious. Absolutely, yeah. So he ordered that, and I okay. think I caught wind of it. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever <laughs> seen." Would have known this many years later, you'd be <laughs> here. I am devoting yeah. so much of my time to this uh, <laughs> this endeavor. Yeah, but uh, Eric's wisdom tree. I really don't have anything. Um, Eric, come on, you gotta prepare for these. 
Uh, here's what I'll say. Eric's Wisdom Tree, you should only buy ultra-pasteurized milk. Because, you know, if you don't drink milk a lot, if you don't use milk for a lot of things, if you don't get ultra-pasteurized, it's going to go bad before you, you use it all. So that uh, you should only get ultra-pasteurized. I hate that. You hate that? I hate that. Wisdom Why? Do you tree. not like milk? I don't like milk at all. That's because it makes you farty. I... <laughs> you get a little fart. Farts I'm in your tolerant. Body. That doesn't mean I can't respect milk. I just don't like it. So you have farts from milk? I don't like milk. <laughs> I do not like it. It's creamy, kind of like... It is, yeah, that's a good thing. That's creamy I don't, I, Creamy things are good. This is probably something we should done. You know, I, what? You got poop problems? No, I, I mean... It's, it's, do we got to wrap it up? We are, we are three hours in, and this is... Uh, well, it's not three hours of recording. This is, you know, we, okay, we had so But I don't... Okay, I just hope... Only buy ultra-pasteurized milk. You're the one who wanted to come out and say things against Eric's wisdom tree. Your wisdom tree is bullshit. Not happy with it this week. I think you had something better last... What was it? I was doing a lot of preparation on Ric Flair and Sting, sir. I don't have time to, to come up with great stuff all the time. Just, you know, think about the good times. Think about how you shouldn't trust women with foot tattoos and just leave it at that. That was good. That was the Any first. quick boat names? On the, boat the, names? Yeah, just a quick one. Or, no. Mons Pubis. <laughs> anyway uh, thanks for listening everybody appreciate your time uh, uh, check us out next time when we're on the internet and until then keep it cool the NWA the Not national the, the national <laughs> <Okay>. don't you <laughs>